What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and TV shows that accompany those universes. Today, we are going to be heading to Fox's X-Men universe, the classic trilogy, one more time to cap off the X-Men trilogy. But I am not here to do that alone. And I know it's been a long time since we've broken down a Marvel movie. It's just been quite a busy time. But we are back, gentlemen, and I am not back alone. I said we, and I'm talking about my co-hosts, my loyal pals in this journey through the multiverse. First off, we have Mr. Ethan Wensloff. Ethan, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. I'm so happy to be back here talking about the Marvel movie marathon and I mean I thought it'd be our last stand trying to sit down and record this podcast I mean months and months of work went into this I mean Ben you watched the movie a couple months ago so much has happened to you since then you're married now I watched it over two weeks ago and Micah he just watched it two hours ago so we're gonna have some great opinions and we're gonna get to see how this film uh just sits in the brain and what we remember over time it's going to be a very well-rounded review absolutely and ethan made mention of this but we also have mr micah hat with us here today micah how are you doing i am doing fantastic i man this is this podcast project that we're this this beast of a project should i say has been quite an unstoppable force we will continue to go through this multiverse monologues marathon marvel marathon Mar- marvel marathon watch through and i will pummel through that sentence and not stop because there are so many great things about this movie that i just can't wait to talk about and is this the greatest x-men movie we will see oh okay whoa that at least whoa, at le- oh wow <laughs> Don't let this take the powers away from you, my guys. Oh, okay. Your, All opinions, right. well, your this... opinions are your own. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and absolutely, we're, and we're going to get right into it. But first, we want to give uh, we want to give a big shout out to uh, Ethan and Mike. Also, has done some work as well. But we've been pretty busy on the YouTube platform doing reviews for She-Hulk, for Rings of Power, even for the Spider-Man No Way Home re-release. So go check those out. We've been pretty busy along there as we've been trying to reconnect our schedules it's been a lot easier just to work on our own solo projects and we're doing a lot of good work there so i would go check that out on youtube a subscription from any of you guys would be greatly appreciated you know what else would be greatly appreciated if someone would leave a follow or a review on spotify or apple Podcasts. that would be greatly appreciated but enough of all that crap let's head into it boys let's open our sling rings and head over to fox's x-men universe Every choice we make, history branches in two, creating one Earth, where we made the choice, and a second, where we didn't. Multiverse would be a more apt description. What's a multiverse? Multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. Who are you in this vast multiverse? (sighs) This shouldn't even be possible. I got a bad feeling about this. Multiverse is real. 
Yes, we are here to talk about X-Men The Last Stand, directed by Brett Ratner, starring all of our favorites from the last two movies, capping off this trilogy of X-Men films. And I just want to get you guys' thoughts initially. Micah, kind of reveal what he thought about it. And uh, we're going to give you, again, a pretty well-rounded review because it's been a while since I've seen it, but I did watch a few video essays on this before we got to it. And although that doesn't influence my opinion, it certainly is a little bit eye-opening as well so uh let's get into it though but i want to start with mr wensloff first you saw this movie a little while ago but i'm sure the the some or at least some of the details from this movie are still a little bit fresh in your mind what did you think of x-men the last stand before i i get into that let's uh let's let the people listening who haven't watched this movie recently or who have maybe never seen this movie Let's give them an idea of what we're going to be talking about today. So, yes, X-Men The Last Stand, directed by Brett Ratner, who was not the director of the first two. No, Brian Singer actually left the franchise to go do Superman Returns, taking the lead, uh, one of the lead males with him, James Marsden, which is why his role in this is actually significantly decreased and why his death is... Uh, We'll get into it. Maybe maybe terrible. Yeah, so spoilers also. I didn't say that up top, but spoilers for X-Men The Last Stand. Yes. So this movie, of course, stars Hugh Jackman, Haley Berry, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, and Famke Jensen. And it's written by Simon Kingberg and Zach Penn, whose initial, initial pitch for the movie was, of course, the Dark Phoenix storyline that was set up at the end of X2 which is when Jean Grey is possessed by a cosmic entity as the Phoenix, which initially increases her telepathic and telekinetic abilities, which is considered to be one of the best stories in comic history. Not just the best X-Men story, but one of the best of all time, which makes sense why they would want to adapt it. However, this is, uh, this is the first instance of a studio interfering with the third film in a franchise. We'll get it a little later in Spider-Man 3. But however, Fox felt that the storyline was a bit too dark for the mainstream summer blockbusters and ordered the uh, Dark Phoenix storyline to be removed from the film. But Penn and Kingber Kingberg protested, and a compromise was ultimately reached, whereas the Phoenix storyline would be balanced by another storyline about a cure for mutants based on a recent comic written by... None other, our man, Josh Whedon. So <laughs> definitely a lot going into this film. And then what, what we ultimately get is an imbalance of both storylines, in my opinion. And just for fun, this movie contains our sixth Stanley cameo and what, what I believe is our, our first post credit scene. Is this our first post credit scene in this watch-through? I believe so. I believe so. Looking at our... Uh our post credit scene tracker, we have nothing until this movie. Which wow. everyone remembers it being Iron Man. I mean, that was the first big one. But no, this movie came out two years before and has a pretty, I mean, a pretty shocking one if you if you stayed past it. Because it, also a pretty confusing one, if you ask me. But, Ethan, what did you think about the movie? Did you like the movie? I'm kind of getting some negative vibes from you. Oh, this is my first time ever seeing this movie, just to let you guys know. I haven't really? seen this movie before. Yeah, I saw the first two a long time ago. I just never ventured into this film. And I think, you know, I think it's better than a lot of people give it credit for. But I also don't think it is 
necessarily good. I do think you feel the imbalance of the two stories, and I really would have loved to see more of the Dark Phoenix. But, I mean, I think the final battle is really fun, and I think Wolverine gets some good scenes. I, I do ultimately think that a lot of what's written here isn't executed too good, but I do think it is a fun watch. I'll say that. Okay, all right. Micah, what did you think? You're fresh off this. Yeah, I mean, you just watched this movie, yeah, I right? Yeah, just, I just finished the movie before uh, hopping on the call here. And um, I got to say, I'm, I'm really glad that this is the only X-Men movie that delves into the Dark Phoenix storyline. And there, there are no other movies just about uh-huh. Dark Phoenix. So, cause True, this, yeah, this, yeah. This talks right. about everything, and there's nothing else to talk about. So, I mean... Pfft. There, there's that movie. So uh, yeah, how dumb would it be to do this storyline again? Ah, oh, I know, right? It would be so stupid. So I haven't seen that one. I hope, I hope it's good. I don't know. It's oh. probably bad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's one of the other few Marvel movies I haven't seen yet. So um, overall, I thought that the movie was very much a fan servicey movie. Yes, it, yes, I think fan service is the is the best way to describe this movie because you get everything that the first two movies were building up to. You get the Dark Phoenix plotline because that's been building up since the first movie too. You get the um, the payoff with the fire guy and the ice guy um, fighting at the end. It wasn't it wasn't Pyro and Iceman. Pyro and Iceman. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. a super big battle or whatever, but at least they got to fight each other. Yeah, and yeah. we got to see that. So um, we get to see the what we think is the end of both Charles and Magneto. Where, by the end of the movie, you find out no, it's not. So, we'll we'll see. Yeah, where they, the, is this the last one in the in the timeline? Do we get more of Charles and so Magneto? days of future past? Correct. Do they? We know that Wolverine is the same from these movies. Yeah. Do we get Professor X in that movie? I think we do. We do. Yes. But it's Professor X and Magneto are in yes. that film. And that they have the beginning scene when it's set in the future, but Wolverine goes back in time and then alters the past so that he comes back to a different timeline, one where everything is, I guess, fixed. We don't really get into it, though, but that's after this. So apparently something big happens in the future in regards to Trask or something like that. But, yes, this is pretty much the big main story, the last main story in this timeline, I guess. The X-Men timeline, dude, it's always confused me. I still don't understand it to this day. And I've there seen hundreds, multiple hundreds videos. Of videos. Yeah, trying to dissect how this timeline goes. And uh, let's uh, let's just enjoy the stories they present us with. Let's yeah. not hurt our brains. Boy. Yeah, let's not hurt our brains until we get to the ones where it starts to really delve into the brain hurting. So... Um, yeah, overall, I enjoyed this movie. The fan service was enough for me. I think that it could have gone darker, like how uh, Ethan was saying. I I mean, in between the last movie and now, uh, the, the last movie that we watched, and now I watched uh, a majority of The Boys, which um, also, what's his name is in, Sean Ashmore. He plays a fire dude there, but he's an ice man here. I think that was funny. Um, I think that they could have gone very more brutal with this movie. It could have been a very... Uh, I, I was expecting uh, Cyclops' head to be blown off by his own uh, laser beam. I think that would have been very dark and uh, a, a very dark Phoenix thing to do. I was expecting 
I mean, I, I wasn't expecting. Uh, yeah, let's go to the things I wasn't expecting. I wasn't expecting Charles to die. Like Charles just is evaporated. I think that's. Oh wait crazy. a minute, Micah. Is this the first time you've seen this movie as well? No, no. I just forgot it. It's been almost a decade since I've seen it. So, yeah, I I watched it uh, in middle school. That was the last time I saw this. So it's been a good seven years. Uh, seven, yeah, yeah, around seven years since the last time I watched it. So I don't remember Charles dying. I don't remember. I, I do remember Magneto losing his powers and getting them back at the end, or that hint of him getting it back. Uh, but there were a lot of dark things in this movie. Uh, we get to see the full extent of Wolverine's healing abilities at the end, where he's confronting Dark Phoenix and he, he's like being torn away at and. Uh, being dusted and reappearing and all that fun stuff. I think that we could have seen... I, I mean, yeah, of course, Wolverine's powers could go even beyond that to where we've seen Deadpool, who has a similar ability, go down to just a drop of blood and regenerate from that. Uh, that would have been really cool to see, but it, it didn't <laughs> didn't really present itself. Micah, we get more Logan in the future. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, we get there are more, more movies with him. We get more Logan, but we don't get Logan in this sense where he's uh, at his prime. You know what I mean? So. Well, okay, so yeah, that's that's one of my criticisms with this movie and why it doesn't hit as well as the first two. Because to me, this is definitely the weakest one. Hmm. Because Wolverine's story was the crux of why I was interested in the first two. That he's definitely the most interesting character, but at the end of the second one, his story and the mystery it doesn't go away, but it's kind of put on the back burner for this film, and it makes it a little bit less interesting because Wolverine's just there playing team leader at this point, and it's really strange. I mean, I know why Cyclops had to go because of contract negotiations, but it just feels. I mean, he's not—he's not even a character in this trilogy, man. Like, he has little to no development. So at all. Like two he's, scenes in this movie. He's supposed to be like the Captain America of the X-Men, and he's the leader. Which we'll talk about the future of the X-Men soon, but it's definitely the something that has to be fixed. Yes, I, I totally agree. And just the mess, the two plot lines that go alongside, it, it just doesn't make sense to do both of these huge stories at the same time. And that, that's what it comes down to. Now, I will say, I actually did have a pretty good time with it. But as time goes on, you just kind of forget about it. And I think that's what a lot of people did when they saw this movie because it was pretty hyped, man. The second X-Men film was an amazing success for Marvel. So everyone went into this pretty hyped. It is... To, to that date, when it came out, is the most expensive film ever made at a budget of around $210 million, which is crazy. It's a crazy amount to spend on that. But this is a film where you could spend it on. It's just the story was not there at all. Character motivations are all over the place. And you have the most important character in all of the X-Men franchises, Professor X, getting killed in the second half. And it's just... It's just kind of all over the place. I'm not going to lie. But I actually, I just did had a good time with it. The The worst thing, the worst thing this movie does is it's just forgettable. And the third movie in this trilogy to cap off the last stand should not be forgettable. And I think that's its biggest sin. Never half-assed two things. Whole ass one thing. That's just what you see in this movie. They, they're just the two storylines that they couldn't commit to. So... 
you definitely feel that when you watch it. And I liked what Micah said about fan service because it really does. The fan service spits in your face, especially no scene is more blatant than when Juggernaut is first revealed. And for some reason, he's in a prison transport in full body armor. Just like, yep, there's no doubt that's Juggernaut. We uh, we kept all his armor on just so just in case he breaks out, he can uh, pile drive through through the buildings. One of the big things that I was thinking about is you have these criminals and you also have this handy dandy little cure to take away their powers. So why wouldn't you do that to the prisoners, to the life-threatening mutants? It was a little, it was a little iffy on that one, you know. It was like this guy is just off the rails. Juggernauts. I mean, you can't for the plot to happen because I think a lot of these characters were put in for the fan service of it all. For sure. Because you get a lot of like mid C B tier mutants, you know. There's your boy Miles from Lost is in this as Spike Spike guy, I yeah. guess. Stupidest power ever. Like he has to be within two inches. What's the actor's name? Mike, I, you have the, I'm not sure. The IMDb uh, pulled up. I have the IMDb pulled he's up, gotta, but I don't know what he looks he's like. He's got to be all the way in the bottom, though. Like, oh, you think so? He, he's got to be way back in the IMDb. Was he, really the, was he the dude that threw the spikes, or was he Porcupine dude? No, Porcupine. He was Porcupine. Yeah. Yes. Let me let me look at. Yeah. I was thinking of you, Ethan, though, when he showed up. I was I like, oh, I'm I so forgot mad he was I, in this. I'm so mad I don't know his name off the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know his name, but um, I thought that it was weird that all of the mutants were just punk dudes from, like, <laughs> they could form a goth band or something. I, <laughs> I thought that was weird. And then all of the mutants from uh, the from Professor X's place was all like early 2000s high schoolers and that made sense it was early 2000s and it was a movie geared towards high schoolers so i guess that works uh but they were all very uh it was all very dated fashion and uh contemporary looks so i thought it was I yeah just was, this this movie screams early 2000s <laughs> well just with the war you know the war between the uh, Professor X or the, the X-Men and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants that's like built up between the movies, you get so excited. You're like, yes, this war that it's all leading to, let's go. And then you get there and it's just kind of juggernaut running through buildings, then Kitty Pride uh, chasing after him. And then Wolverine just taking out a bunch of generic mutants. Like they don't really have any distinct characteristics and they really, I really hate what they do to Magneto in this movie. It, he just feels, he doesn't feel on the same tier as he is in the first two. He feels more like a, a low-grade villain than the, the top-tier character he was in the first two. You guys remember how this second one ended? Um, yeah, was that the, so wait, the, the first damn one? The verse. First, yeah. Yeah. The, and then... You see the phoenix in the water. They're all at the White House. They're, the lights are all shut off, and they're there for just a few seconds, and they say, we're here to stay. You can either accept that, and the president's like, all right, we're good to go, man. 
it's where you're here. I, I guess you're here to stay. I mean, we're not going to fight you. And they even say like, we're there, we're going to stop the evil mutants where we don't want to fight you. And it's like all that just got thrown away. Cause now they're at the beginning of this movie. They're like, all right, we got to take care of this mutant problem again. You know, just to have this, just to have the same problem. But I've been, I've been kind of, uh, kind of dogging on this movie a little bit. The opening, well, the, the second opening, I guess I should say, it's pretty epic. The not-too-distant future, when they're supposedly in a war-torn simulation, I guess is what it is, it turns out to be a danger room. I thought that scene was pretty good, man. I'm not going to lie. Wolverine's just kind of, he's got like a cigar, and, and he's just like playing around. It's like, dude, what's going on? You feel like they're in like a dire situation and then it all kind of goes away simulation i thought that scene was pretty good though i'm not gonna lie i really like that scene yeah i like the whole intro i like the uh i like the whole uh showing us where uh gene gray comes from and that first encounter because it shows us oh yeah they were working together at that one point it's a nice reminder for us and it was also uh, cool to see that deep fake this was one of the first deep fake movies where they <laughs> where they uh de-age the people so they de-aged um, uh, I'm blanking on their names. They de-aged Patrick Charles, Stewart, Patrick Ian Stewart and Ian McKellen. Yes, I I think I blanked on their names the first movie too when we did our podcast. I don't know why, but yeah, uh, I thought that that CGI held up pretty well. I thought that the um, that scene with all the cars floating up. All right, I know Ben. He he's a no 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 no. He's a stickler. no. I, I saw Ben shake his head, but. Yeah, 2006, I think that de-aging looks great, especially when you compare it to some of the stuff Disney puts out. Yeah, de-aging is hard to do. Come on. Mm. All right, okay. I For 2006, it's fine, but you can't say that holds up. You cannot sit here and tell me and that holds up. No way. Come on. That's only way too plasticky. It's so pla- Dude. Cause we know what Patrick Stewart looks like. I don't like he's he, dude. Like, yeah, he's but do you look, know what he looked like twenty years ago, Ben? He looked yeah, pretty man. much the same. I'm not gonna lie. He looked pretty plastic. <laughs> and, you and ever see those Star look Trek at, episodes? Look at Next Gen. It's just it just feels off. So maybe it was good for 2006, but he's by no means good nowadays. I look at that and that's bad. I, I <laughs> go watch the scene again, man. That's sure, bad stuff. Sure. Come on, come on. That's bad. That's All bad. right, whatever. Uh... But, but I'm with. <laughs> Dude, for the first time though, 2006, you're the first. I that think was that was honestly stuff. the first attempt at de aging. Let me see. And I, dude, I've heard from people like they were like, all right, that's pretty interesting. We could use that. I mean, now we've pretty much, I mean, we've pretty much perfected it at this point. We're, we're, yeah, ev- that was we're the we've first done one. just about everything to perfect de aging. But I don't know, man. That, that, that one doesn't hold up, in my yeah, that, opinion. Yeah, this was the first time that de-aging was used in a movie. So, for being the first time, I, I'd, I'd give it to him. I'd tell him that, that, that it still holds up, especially for how primitive the technology was at that time for that. So, yeah, I, I, I liked it. Um, and then going on to the next scene, there was, in the intro... Yeah, with, with I, I liked all the, the gags with the cigar. I thought that was funny. I, I liked how we get to see... The Wolverine jump a couple times in this movie, uh, just all fan servicey stuff. We get the cigar, we get the motorcycles, we get the the Wolverine jumps, we get all the cool mutant bits uh, that don't really contribute directly to the plot, but are just sprinkled in there as that little extra sauce. So, so so Magneto has this line in the movie after Charles Xavier dies, and he's being questioned, I think, by Pyro, and he's like, and and 
he's Pyro's like saying something about Charles Xavier, and Magneto says, Charles Xavier did more for mutants than you'll ever know. My single greatest regret is that he had to die for our dream to live. And even though he's the villain, you can see that he still respects Charles Xavier. I thought that line was fantastic. Like, you have this mega villain who used to be friends with the mega hero, I guess. Mega hero's gone. And even though he's on the opposing side, he's about to take over humanity, he's still showing the he's still giving Charles the respect that he deserves. I really like that scene a lot. And I like that all of those young mutants are just there. I mean, they, they don't even really know why they're there, you know? But they're willing to follow the cause that Magneto puts forward. And you, you got to give him sympathy, though, because you know what Magneto's been through. He was a, he was a POW in, in the Holocaust. Like, he was, he was type right there, dude. It was bad. So just watching, I, li- I like seeing his character development through all of these three films, even though it kind of it kind of lands flat as time goes on. Like Michael Fassbender does a really good job at the beginning when he's given this role, but at the end it kind of peters off. But I, I've always liked Magneto's character, and this was the one I think where I related to him the most. Yeah, I like how uh, this movie kind of emphasizes some more that uh, Professor X and Magneto are not enemies. They're both going for the same goal, and that's for helping mutants, but they have their own ways, and that's what separates it. So I like how X-Men kind of shows us that we can have the same goal in mind to empower mutants, but can have completely different morals and uh, ways of doing this, and um, it's it's shown even more with Jean Grey and how uh, Magneto wanted to show wanted her in her natural, you know, just whatever, unleash the beast sort of form. And Charles wanted to uh, enhance her abilities and help her control them more. So it shows the two sides of the mutant spectrum with that. And I I thought that that kind of, that really helped to tie the little bow on this trilogy. So Micah, you said that, okay, go ahead, Ethan. Nah, you're good. Micah, you said that you really like this, you really like this movie. So would you what what would you say was the the nail in the coffin? What would you say if you could pinpoint one thing? Why would you say this movie worked for you? I like the end. I like the uh, I like the end. I like ah, oh, one one thing one thing. All right, uh, yeah, I'll go with that last fight scene and um, seeing all the powers come together and all of the. I, I like seeing Beast fight. I like Beast fighting. Wolverine. We get a lot of Wolverine fighting in that. Well, a lot of great choreography with with the uh the all the military dudes and the the other mutants and i like uh i like the whole concept of the cure the and how dangerous that could be to both sides of because you can either be rooting for charles or you can be rooting for magneto and both sides can be very much threatened by that third side of the government having this cure so seeing all the cool weaponry in that last fight was awesome uh, seeing Charles be defeated because the government finally realized, oh, we just don't put metal out there and we're good. Uh, Charles does bring the metal to them with the bridge, but you know, I, <laughs> one, well, oh yeah, one, one other thing I noticed in the bridge when they were all walking towards the cars, behind them was a completely empty bridge. <laughs> yeah, Are you serious? Yeah, it was completely empty all the way down the bridge. It was maybe a half second <laughs> cut, but because it panned down 
to uh, Magneto. I thought that was funny. Uh, also, my station wagon was in that. that I was on that bridge. I noticed that. That was, that was pretty sick. You were uh, saying, are you model? serious? Uh, it was a station wagon. Woody station wagon. No, Micah, close. I like what you said about the Cure storyline because that is the second storyline of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think they did it pretty I do well. Think, yeah, I do think that the Cure storyline is actually really compelling, and I, especially when you put Rogue at the center of it, who we know that she wants a relationship with Bobby Drake. We've seen that in the first two movies, and she just can't because just physical contact is not a thing that she can do. So I think making her the mutant that not that goes and gets the cure is really uh, interesting, and it makes sense why that character would do that, because there, she says earlier in the movie that not all of us can fit in so perfectly. And I just I like seeing that because not everyone gets uh, self-healing abilities like Wolverine. You know, there are some... Not every mutant is gifted with powers. Some are actually a great weight on a person. Yeah, having that option. I think that's. I think that's also uh, to add another layer to the story was um, showing that the government in this situation creating the cure could be either the hero or the villain, depending on which side you're on. If you're on Charles's side, he the government could be a, a hero because there are people like Rogue who need that cure because they can't live life how they want to live life. And even if they did try to adapt, they would have to cut off all of those relational ties where they can't touch people. And that's awful. And if uh, people like Beast wanted to be human and they had lives that they wanted to live, setting aside their mutant abilities, then that option should be available to them. I think that that was, I think that's something that should be there. And I like how, uh, this trilogy has these political ideas that aren't talked about in any other Marvel movie. Like, what other Marvel movie is political? You got Civil War, and that that's about it. And I think it's it, it adds to the storyline. It really helps to to uh, make these storylines better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even call Civil War, like, political. In it's the, the closest it's, they it's, get. It's the closest they get, but it's political within the superhero realm. It's it's politics yeah. dealing with superheroes, you know? So it, I mean, it totally works. I want to highlight two other performances that the Cure storyline really highlights, and this is why these two are really great. Beast was fantastic in this movie. Love yes, that was. guy. Excellently cast. Love he even Beast. says, oh, my stars and garters, which is his signature <laughs> yeah. catch line. Enforced by Kevin Feige, he said, if we're having Beast... We, he has to say his signature catch line. Papa He's Feige fantastic Russell. in this movie. Absolutely. And also, at the very beginning, we have Angel, who's cutting off his oh, that was so gross. wings at the beginning. It was kind of gross. But that that's just another variable you throw into the mix of is this cure the right the right way to go? Because you have a, you have total discrimination from the father throughout this whole movie. You, you gotta fix yourself. There's something wrong. There's nothing wrong with you. But for Rogue, who can't touch people physically, I mean, that's horrible. So this cure, I feel like, works for some people and totally should be optional, but it shouldn't be enforced, I feel like. So I love the storyline like that. This is the second trilogy we finished, is that correct? The second trilogy? Uh, Blade, yeah. Check. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because we've done, we've done Blade, we've got one more Spider-Man film, 
but yeah. this is the second one we've done, right? Yeah, I, yeah, I missed that in my summary. That That is another third film that gets interrupted by the studio. So, yeah. Yep. So, we got Blade Trinity. We've got Spider-Man 3 and The Last Stand have all been influenced heavily by their uh, by their studios. So, if if you could say which trilogy would be better that we've seen... What trilogy would you rather take? The Blade Trilogy or the X-Men Trilogy? X-Men Trilogy is iconic. Micah, you go with the X-Men? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. So, I liked Blade. I, I really liked Blade, but that third movie just wasn't as good. It was boring. Mm. This this trilogy, I don't think that we've had a movie that's boring. Like, this movie had a lot of fan service, and that could be good, that could be bad, but we haven't really had a fan service Marvel movie yet. So this one was kind of the first really uh, fan servicey movie that wasn't cheesy. Would you guys say there was any cheese in this movie? I didn't detect any cheese. Nothing was stinking. When Juggernaut said his catchphrase, Don't you know who I am? I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! Like that, <laughs> dude, That that's that's bad. That was pretty... I don't even know if you'd call that cheesy, though, you know? Like, that's just, that's just really cringe. That was the one thing, though, uh, that I can remember. It's been a while. I don't know. Not, not a lot of cringe. I'm with you on I that I didn't think one. that was cringe, I just, though. I thought, I thought it fit with his character. I mean, and it was only, he only had, what, two, three lines in the whole movie. So I, I gave it to him. I thought that was all right. One scene yeah. I want to highlight with Juggernaut is um, when they, they meet up at Gene's old house where, uh, yeah, where Gene is hiding out and the X-Men get there. Magneto tells Juggernaut, don't let them in. First thing Juggernaut does is he throws Logan into the house. Oh. <laughs> I, my brain was like, oh, you failed the one thing he told you not to do. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan, what are you taking, Blade or X-Men? See, I don't like this question because uh, I do. I think Blade is really, really good and really underrated. I, I had never seen those movies before, and Wesley Snipes is just killer in that role. But that being said, I think you do need this trilogy, this X-Men trilogy, more than you need that Blade trilogy. Uh, strictly just because it just makes the payoff in Logan so much better when we already know this character, we know what he's been through. So I'll, I'm, I'm taking X-Men trilogy. Yeah, I, I think I got to go X-Men just because of Logan and the legacy that he builds, along with the X-Men cast. I mean, it's good, but I think Logan is definitely the standout and why they gave him three movies to himself. I mean, he's he, the only one to get movies besides Deadpool, you know? Yeah, it just feels that this whole trilogy, it just feels like it should have been called maybe Wolverine and the X-Men because Wolverine is definitely the focal point. I said this in the X-Men 2 podcast also, it because th there really is never a focus on the X Men. Really, we get some Patrick Stewart and some Magneto in there, but it, these are these are Wolverine movies. Do you hope for them to They're... fix that in X Men '97? Because I feel like X Men as a franchise has been mostly focused on Wolverine. I haven't seen much of the show, but there all the movies have been focused on Wolverine. So, well, Ethan, the what fun do you hope? part. So the fun part about this trilogy is Kevin Feige got to work on these X-Men films. So he has experience working with the X-Men. And then now, 20-some 
25 plus movies later, he's got even more experience under his belt. He knows how to do the team ups. He knows how to produce this universe. So I'm really excited to see what he does with the X-Men now in the MCU when we get a chance to meet that because the mutants will start rolling in. We don't know when that'll be, but I, I think they can look at the mistakes they made in this trilogy. Like, yeah, Logan, he, he, he was a huge center point. And I think that with how good they did Logan in these movies that they can kind of cut back a little and focus on the other X-Men because let's be real. No one is going to be better than Hugh Jackman in this role. So no, let's take the focus off of Wolverine focused on Cyclops or storm Jean gray. We got a lot. We got a lot of X-Men that we can focus on here. What you need to do is focus on those, give them their movie. Don't even include Wolverine yet. So that the anticipation builds, okay, this X-Men team is there, but just wait for Wolverine to show up. So the anticipation is for the character, not the actor. And whoever fills those shoes, whoever that might be, I mean, I, I'm almost certain that they're going to bring Hugh Jackman back for Secret Wars. They would have to, to make it any sort, like, if they're going to bring in anyone else that they haven't, it's him, man. So if they bring him back, but the MCU is going to have a different actor to play Wolverine. They have to. And I'm in for that, dude. Mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman's iconic, but I'm in for a new actor. So that is how you have to play that. But Kevin Feige, I mean, he stated even now that we're the Mutants movie, it's far off. We're far not out, getting it yeah. anytime soon. So it's going to be interesting. Micah, is there one character, is there one character in this movie that you were attached to the most who you would say like that's the character I'm watching this movie. I like that character a lot. Play Beast. I liked his, uh, I liked his, uh, how he stuck out for the mutants in a more civilized manner than the rest of our, our, uh, people. Uh, and, and he's, he's incorporating himself into the government so that he can actually have a say in what the government decides on these mutants, which is the smart way to go in that society because everything's decided by the government. So why not be a part of it? You know, make that voice for the mutants. And now at the end of the movie, he was part of the UN as the mutant representative. So um, I, I liked his powers. I liked his little quirks, uh, his uh, how he how he put on the jacket. And he's like, oh, I can't believe this used to fit me. <laughs> Just the little things like that. And um, I'd like to see him in the what is he in the, the prequel ones? I think he is. Yes. Yeah, he he's, is. he's in the prequel ones. So it'll be cool to see him again in the prequels. And um, yeah. I like I like Beast's character. They do a great job with the recast of everyone, especially oh, yeah. with Charles and Magnet. Like those two really get the like a really well deserved recast. But Ethan, is there a character that you remember that you really liked watching in X Men? It's really sad. There's no really other than Beast. I don't really see a standout character in this movie. I, I a Wolverine, I'd say probably, just because Hugh Jackman. And he does have that really cool scene in the forest where he gets to fight the uh, the hodgepodge of weird mutants and he gets some playing in the trees. So probably that, but I don't really think a lot of characters get too much development in this movie. So I, I'll go Wolverine. Even even Jean Grey, the, the, the phoenix, you know, like she just kind of stands around like behind Magneto. She, I mean, dude, she's the most powerful person there, you know? And I'm with you. Like, I don't, 
I don't see a character that I really connect with at all. I mean, Magneto would be the one I would say that I probably most was interested in in this movie. But even then, it's kind of it's kind of this movie was good when I left it. I was like, all right, you know what? That's not bad. But I just it was very, very forgettable. And who knows? That might be because I got married. So I might be a little hazy on the details. You got married. You went on a honeymoon. <laughs> then a whole nother month passed. Yeah, you had a yeah, busy, exactly. busy month. <laughs> right, but from what I remember, I don't. I. It's just this whole tr- and this whole trilogy has kind of felt like that. X Men Two is without a doubt the best one, but it kind of feels just like a blah trilogy. I, I have no reason to watch this trilogy again. Like, I don't want to rewatch this trilogy. It it just feels. And the color palette, too. It, there's, there's nothing me- memorable about the color palette. The color palette that I remember from these movies is gray. That's that's what I think of Gene when I gray? think of x It's weird. With all the fan service they, they do in this movie, it's still bizarre to this day. They don't put any of the X-Men in their classic suits. And I do want to throw out one more argument to further support why Wolverine's the best character. I do think the scene where he has to kill Jean Grey is pretty impactful and you know you, you you see the emotions in there you see in the first two movies he loves gene gray so this it, it hurts him i don't think the movie handled it the best but i think with interpretation you can you could see that there is genuine emotion in that scene is what you're saying like even though the even though the moment might not convince you hugh jackman's performance is on point i agree I absolutely agree. Hugh Jackman, but I think, fantastic actor, man. Yeah, he is. Absolutely. So unless you guys have anything else that you'd like to say about this film, we're going to transition into ratings. Uh, I didn't like the scenes where Jean Grey was on the table. Any any scene where they were on the table, uh, especially when it's just him and or Logan and, and Jean Grey, I didn't like that scene uh, very much where she puts himself on her puts herself on him and uh was it was just well you look dude you look at this whole trilogy why does logan inspired why was logan like attracted to her like the only i think the they get no real character development either. yeah he just likes her because she's attractive that's how it feels that's how their relationship feels there's no like backbone there it's always hey flirting hey you know let's make out you know that that's yeah. it you that's know, the no only real emotion that's... there that's the only part of this trilogy that I don't think circles back is um, we don't get that true uh, connection with Jean Grey and Logan, um, partially just because of the circumstances of the Dark Phoenix plotline, but mostly because they just didn't have time to put it in the, the trilogy there. We, see, yeah. we saw uh, Logan's connection, and we saw it pay off with how he and... Uh, Cyclops mourned at the end of the second movie, which was beautiful. I love that that acting there, that with uh, James Marston and Hugh Jackman. That the ending of two was phenomenal. I loved it, uh, but they don't take a lot of the elements of two and move it to the next movie. They don't. They don't, and that's one of the uh, shortcomings in this one. And I think that's partially because of the runtime, dude. I mean, you have an hour and forty minutes to wrap up the trilogy. To wrap up the trilogy, man. Yeah, I know, right? I, I'm, I think there could be an extended cut, but I, I did not watch that. So, I, I mean, a lot of shortcomings for this film and a lot of studio interference. It's nothing we're not used to seeing, especially at this point, but it's, it's certainly something audiences had to get used to. 
uh, in 2006. But uh, with that, we are going to transition into our ratings for X-Men The Last Stand. And I want to shoot it out to Mr. Wenslop first. Ethan, what would you give X-Men The Last Stand? Yeah, let's just cut it down to the bare bones. This movie just, uh, it, it tries to do two stories. It doesn't really commit to either one. And both of them don't really come to fruition the way we'd want them to. So I I don't remember what I ranked the first two X-Men movie, but I'm feeling that this one's a six. You did like 7.1 and 7.5. Yeah, I think this is a step below the first two. And like Ben said, just the memorability of it is not there. And there's no payoffs really for me. Just uh, no character development comes to the close that I'd want it to. Right, it doesn't feel... In a movie that should make you feel like it's the end of a trilogy and an era, it does not feel like that at all. But, Mr. Micah, what would you give X-Men The Last Stand? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that it feels like the end of a trilogy, but more of the beginning of the saga that's that's going on here, that they're creating. Um, uh, personally, I think that it does do a lot of things better than the first X-Men movie. I think that there is more character development than the first movie, because in the first movie, remember, they only focused on Logan. At least in this movie, we get Beast. We get that the thing with Mystique. We didn't even talk about that, how, how Magneto okay. just drops Mystique after she loses her powers. I think that's very, uh, that's that's really sad. Of Because of, if you look at the the prequels, they go back long time. Mystique is a lot well, older. I mean, you don't even need the prequels, just the first two movies. Mystique oh, yeah. Saved, saved his butt countless times. So yeah. it just shows you how single-minded and how goal-oriented Magneto is, that he'll just, this person that they've shared life with, he just abandoned like that. Oh, you're not one of us anymore. Kind of you're ironic. One of, you're one of them. Yeah. Kind of, kind of ironic too with uh, the whole World War II thing, uh, because isn't that kind of what he's, he's kind of just being like Hitler at this point? I mean, if you're not with us, then you're against us, sort of thing, and very uh, black and white mentality here. So you could say he's become the very thing he swore <laughs> to destroy. Whoa. But yeah. Uh, so, Michael, what would you give? What would you score this movie? Looking at our scores, I gave the first one a 7.2. I gave the second one a 7.5. Um, so I'd say it wasn't as good as the second one. I love the ending of the second one, but it was better than the first one. Not by much, not by... I don't think it was very far off from the other ones. I'd say it was smack dab in the middle, uh, and it was around a 7 point, uh, seven point. We'll give it 7.4. We'll do that. 7.4. 7.4 for me. You know what? I'm right there. Yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> nice. I, I think it. I think it actually is better than the first one because I remember not liking the first one at all. Yeah. That one. That one is my least favorite for sure. Even though it's introductions, it's very boring and bland. This one is a step above, but like Ethan said, it it just doesn't give you the payoff that you're looking for at all. So I believe I gave the first X Men a six and a half, if right. memory serves, and I gave X two a seven. I believe we each of us gave it a seven and a half. Yeah. Oh, seven and a half. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to put this one at also a six and a half as well. You know, they're right. They're right. Honestly on the same. And if it was a little, I don't, I just don't like going up the decimals. So I'm, I'm going to give it a six and a half as well. So six and a half, uh, a seven. What, what'd you give it, Micah? 7.4. 7.4. And Ethan? Six. 
and a six. All right, there you give it. And the average comes out to... 6.63. Yeah. So uh, where is that for overall for the X-Men trilogy? Where does that give us for the rankings? That would... What did I say? It was a 6.6. 6.6. There we go. So that puts us as the worst of the trilogy, and it is actually exactly what IMDb scores right now. 6.6. So 6.6 is our average for... Uh, Last Stand, 6.9, nice, is the first one, and 7.5 is the second one. So that brings the average of the trilogy to... Doing some quick maths here real quick. Um, Give me a second. Cut this out. (laughs) Equals... Oh, we're keeping this in. Oh, you're keeping this in? Oh, boy. Yeah, the mind at work. The mind of a magician. The mind of a, an Excel magician. And also, could you see where it Boom. ranks on Boom. all of our movies so far? Boom. Like, what yeah. does it come between for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, 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 divided by three. Boom, 7.01, making it better than the Blade Trilogy. Blade Trilogy average is 6.4. X-Men Trilogy is 7.01, wow. so just a little over a 7. And the Raimi Trilogy right now is sitting at an 8.4. We will see if that score lowers with Spider-Man 3. Right now, uh, 6.6 nets it at the... uh, 6.6. That puts it in 7th place, just above Fantastic Four, just below Blade. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Very good. I would agree with that. I think it was a little more enjoyable than Fantastic Four. Not as good as Blade. I'll, I'll say that. No. I'll agree with that. First Blade... First Blade's peak. First Blade was Ethan. really good. That was that's probably the Blade character with Wesley Snipes is probably the greatest thing that's come out of this rewatch because these early ones we haven't seen a lot of them. We're about to get into some peak Marvel content. We are about to enter the MCU. We've got a few. We got a few oh, movies before that. We've oh. got a few movies before that. And actually, Ethan, could you give us the plot synopsis and the next movie to be on the watch for this next one? Because I, I, my memory serves correctly. It's a movie that I have been greatly anticipating. I'm a big Western guy. I'm a big Western fan. So this next movie with one of my favorite actors should be. Um, I, I really hope I get this right, man. I might fumble the bag. <laughs> But I believe the next movie is Ghost Rider, is it not? Micah, that's correct. Yeah, according to your chart. It is Ghost Rider. Extended cut we'll be watching. Oh, mama. I think it's an extra. uh, I know you can find that on Disney Plus for sure. This is also on Disney Plus. I, I can't confirm it's on Disney Plus. I can't confirm it's on Hulu. But yeah, let's let's get a little summary of our next movie coming up ghost rider 2007 when a motorcycle rider johnny blaze sell his soul to the devil to save his father's life he is transformed into the ghost rider the devil's own bounty hunter and is sent to hunt down sinners okay that 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 plot summary right there interesting who who here has seen this micah have you seen this movie i can remember my uncle watching it um i don't know he's uh, he hates nick cage so i don't know why he was watching it but i remember seeing the skull and 
the motorcycle, but it's been a good 15 years since I've seen that. Uh, I was probably any it was, of us have seen this. Yeah, movie. I think that I've seen clips of it when it came out on DVD, just when my yes. uncle was watching it. So, so yeah, that's my got, history with Ghost Rider. Yeah, hopefully we got another blade on our hands, and we are thoroughly <laughs> impressed with Nick Cage as Ghost Rider. But reviews, I'll tell you this, reviews are not looking good. So uh, maybe we can get excited. Of, of course we'll get excited for next week because we get to come back and talk with you boys. Absolutely, absolutely. Gentlemen and ladies, this has been the X-Men Last Stand podcast. We hope you've enjoyed. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Multiverse Talks. Is that correct? And Give us a review and a follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It would be greatly appreciated. We hope you've enjoyed your time in the Fox's X-Men universe as this is the mm, this is the second to last time we're gonna be uh we're gonna be in this universe. Ethan. Uh yeah, just just going along with subscribe and check out the YouTube stuff. Ben's putting out some great uh Rings of Power content, and I'm I'm trying my best with uh what She-Hulk has given me. So let's uh we yeah, got Andor go. this Wednesday, too. Yes, Ooh, Andor. Yeah. Okay. This weekend is going to be absolutely, I should say weekend, I should say week, because starting Wednesday, three-episode premiere for Andor. Wow. And then on Thursday, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Peak is coming the, to the MCU. I mean, he's already been here, but we're going to get a full episode. <laughs> we're going to get a whole episode right, of Titania? No way. <laughs> Please, give me more Jamila Jamil. Oh, I'm very much looking forward to it. And we get the fifth episode of The Rings of Power. So quite a bit of content coming out. Going to be a couple of YouTube videos, maybe a surprise podcast in there, but we're going to see. But uh, this is for now. This is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Westloff. This is Micah Het. We will be signing off, and we hope that you have an absolutely fantastic day.